Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. I built this online platform to help people describe their products and services in compliance with trademark rules and to automatically classify it so that they know the government fees at the time of filing. So these are not things that are going to delay their trademark application. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome to The Real Bottom Line. I'm very pleased to have as our guest today, Cynthia Mason of Mason PC, a boutique law firm in Ottawa that specializes in trademarks. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. So tell me, um, you've started a law firm how long ago? How long did you start your law firm? Um, I started my law firm seven years ago. Ooh, crazy. So, yeah, I've been at this for a little bit of time now. <laughs> how did you make the change from the big corporate law firm over to uh, starting your own gig? Well, how did I? I did it like very quickly and on the, <laughs> it was a bit of a panic. Um, I was at a, a large corporate law firm and when I was on maternity leave, that law firm just went out of business. Oh my goodness, really? Um, yeah, so very suddenly just, uh, you know, some internal political things happened and the law firm just ended up dissolving while I was on maternity leave. And so, you know, before I went on maternity leave, I had you know, a, a client roster and people I was helping protect their trademarks. And while I was on leave, one of the partners at the law firm was kind of handling and taking care of everything that came in while I was out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when the law firm was going to dissolve and bust up, like the choices were, do I lose all those clients while I'm on leave and then start fresh somewhere with basically no clients? Or right. do I, you know, cut my leave short and, you know, start working back with my clients to help them protect their properties. And so, you know, at, at that point there was, I, I didn't really want to go to another law firm. I had a four month old baby. I was uh -huh. mentally prepared for 12 months off. And, and so I just decided, you know what, I'll just, I'll start my own, my own firm. And, you know, the clients happily came over and nice. we've, been growing ever since. So it was a really great opportunity. Um, it was not without its stress, but oh, it for sure. worked out in the long run. What was your biggest challenge to starting your own firm? Was it mostly that you were on mat leave and then it was just like, it happened so suddenly because like it, it wasn't planned or what was your yeah. well, biggest challenge? Well, what a lot of people don't realize about um, a trademark protection practice is it's very administrative heavy. And so 
we have individual trademark files and we track them from the life of when we first have contact with the client and they have a, a trademark idea, we open a file and we track it. And when you file a trademark application, there are so many deadlines that get put into it and status checks and reminders that are put into it. And so you have to have fairly sophisticated software to do this. Yeah. And you have to have somebody input all of that information into your system. And so when you're at a big firm, they have, you know, a software platform and you have an assistant and all of that stuff gets just taken care of. <laughs> it's just magically there. When you're doing it on your own, you have to be responsible for that. You have to source the software and you come to realize that a specialized software like that is not cheap. Right. <laughs> And then you have to find somebody who's going to take all of that information. I had hundreds of files and I needed to have it uploaded into my software. Um, and that's, I mean, I can't do that and take care of a baby and manage client needs. And so, you know, it was a really quick, um, I had to hire somebody. I'd mm -hmm. hire somebody with knowledge of what they were doing because there's no way I could train someone to do that. And at that point, you know, I'm working virtually. So you know, the great thing is, is I have access to professionals all over Canada. I didn't need right. to have somebody within a specific ge geography, yeah. which is something that I have later learned has when you, when you create a business that can operate virtually like that, um, it really does open up a world of possibilities in terms of people to help you anyway. But at the very beginning, it was a bit of a mad panic in order to get the software and to get somebody to upload everything because my law firm actually dissolved very, very quickly. And so there was not a lot of lead time in terms of being able to have a seamless experience for clients. They didn't have, you know, yeah. you can't have deadlines get dropped. You have to make sure that you're on top of it, right? And it has to be continuous. So that was the biggest challenge. And then obviously finding childcare because you're not doing this all while you have a baby. Like it's just, oh, it's just God. not manageable. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think I knew that story before. Um, uh, okay, so I want to ask you a question, a more technical question now. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between a trademark and a copyright? And when should I care about either one of them? Well, a trademark is really the name. It's the primary trademark you have is, is your name, like your, your business name. And your other trademarks are your logos. Sometimes you have a tagline. Um, if you have a specific product or a program or a service that you're offering and you've given it a unique name that's different from your business name, that's a trademark. It really is the things that people use to identify what it is you're selling. Yeah. Copyright is the content, like it's, it's the body of law that protects your content. So the text that you write, um, if you're an artist, it protects, you know, your drawings, your paintings, if you're a photographer, your, your photographs are protected by copyright. It really is, it's content. It's the body of law that protects your original ideas that are written or articulated in a specific form. So it's content. Trademarks are the visuals that you use to identify a source of a product yep. or a service and copyright is the content. So when I do my website or I do a new document, I write a little copyright symbol. Is, what is that? How strong is that? Well, I mean, it's a symbol to the world that you are claiming ownership of the copyright on the content on your website. And, you know, generally speaking, most people know you shouldn't copy other people's words. It's just unprofessional. It's bad. And it's actually illegal. So that's <laughs> just that one little thing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, I mean, the symbol itself is there. Um, you as the owner of the copyright, you still have to be responsible for policing who's copying you. Um, cool. We'll get into that in a little bit because I know you have a programmer on that. But now I want to ask another question. What are the biggest myths, two or three myths around getting a trademark? Well, the biggest, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's just a mistaken belief that a lot of business owners believe that if they are using a name, they've registered a business name, they've got the domain names, they've got the social media handles, that they are the owner of that name. And that actually isn't true. Those, you know, registering those properties, registering a business name, it's like having a directory listing for who's behind a business. Yeah. Registering a domain name, it's a URL, it's an address. It doesn't give you ownership of any name. It just gives you the ability to use that domain name. Same with social media handles. Those don't give you ownership of your trademarks, of your name trademarks. You really, if you want to be the owner of that name in a particular country, you have to have a registered trademark. So your name needs to be a registered trademark. So I don't think that's a myth, um, it's, but it's a mistaken belief that a lot of people operate under. And that's why you see so many new business owners, they, they think of this great name, they get emotionally attached to it. They do very minimal searching online to see if somebody's already using it they pay somebody to create a beautiful logo and stationery, and they put it on a website. They spend a lot of money on, you know, building a website with their branding and their, their name and their logo on it. Um, but they don't actually own that name and it puts them in a position of vulnerability that I think a lot of people don't realize until they see somebody else out there using something that's very, very similar. Wow. Okay. So that's one that's myth. a big myth. Yeah. Yeah, the other myth is really about um, this one also, more of a mistaken belief that when you file a trademark application, you're a registered trademark owner. That's actually not true. It's, it's a process. And in Canada right now, it is a stupid long process. It takes you about two and a half to three years to wow. register a trademark from the date of filing a trademark application. The trademarks office is just really, really delayed right now in examining trademarks. And so you file your application it won't be looked at for two years. It'll just sit there. You carry on with life, <laughs> hoping that it's going to work out. Um, and then, yeah, after two years, it gets examined. The trademarks office tells you whether they think your mark is registrable. Um, and then, you know, it's advertised for public opposition. And then finally it's registered. And, you know, that tail end of the process takes about six months, assuming there's no one out there who thinks you shouldn't have this registration. But in all, it's a two and a half to three year time investment before you actually can own your trademark. Wow. And so this is why, you know, we always advocate that you should, the minute you have decided upon using a name and you've cleared it to make sure there's nobody else out there using it, file your trademark application because it's going to take you a long time before you are the registered trademark owner and you have a legal tool in your back pocket that you can use to enforce your trademark rights. Hmm. So, you know, for all of us uh, quick thinking entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, that's probably not worth it. But I'd love to hear some stories about why it is worth it, worth the pain of going through uh, that process. Well, I mean, I can give you a little bit of a story of, of a case that I consulted on. Um, it was a small business owner uh, had an online shop. Uh, they were selling toys, you know, really nice high end, higher end toys. 
And their online shop, they were selling other, other companies' toys. It wasn't their own brand of toys. And so their trademark was really associated with their online shop. Yeah. They've been using it for about six years. They were selling both Canada and the United States. Um, and their, their shop name, their online shop name was, it was unique. Like it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't generic or descriptive where, you know, you can see a lot of, a lot of business owners, new business owners, they pick, um, trademarks that are descriptive because they think it's easier to market, um, and easier to get the name out there. But it's also another myth that we could talk about, but so, you know, this guy had been using his online shop. He actually had a corporation. He registered, like, you know, he had a, a business name, and the name of his online shop. Um, and then six years in, he discovers this, it was a European company had developed a toy and gave it the exact same name as his online shop. And so this, unfortunately, the, the European company actually filed Canadian and United States trademark applications where the online shop owner, they didn't, they were just using an unregistered trademark. It was, you know, there are, legal rights in an unregistered trademark, but they're way more difficult to enforce. So mm -hmm. he never bothered getting a trademark registration for his online shop, but this European company did. They filed a trademark application in the United States. They filed one in Canada for toys, the, the exact trademark for use on toys. So it was the product that he was selling, um, but his shop name was, was the same name. And so, you know, his options at that point are, well, um, you know, I'm going to have to, if I want to keep my name and be able to control the reputation, um, because the other thing about this, this European company, they were selling a, a lower end toy and it was a mass produced product that was going to be in kind of mm. like the bigger discount retailers. So that was going to be connected with his online shop. And, you know, over time, that's really going to affect his reputation. And on top of that, he had his own plans to develop his own like brand of wooden toys. And so, you know, the evaluation at that point becomes, okay, well, you've got six years of use. Legally, you could, you could oppose and stop this other company from using your name, but wow, it's going to cost you a lot of money because you have to now, um, you have to file oppositions in both Canada and the United States. You have to bring an infringement, well, a passing off action here in Canada, because if you don't have a registered trademark, you don't have the option of an infringement suit. You're stuck with suing for passing off, which is a different legal test. It's harder to establish. Um, and in the United States, you're going to have to do the exact same thing in order to stop this company from getting a trademark registration and being able to use your trademark. Or he kind of tosses away six years of, of building his reputation and rebrands. And so... You know, wow. it's, a, it's a tragic, it's not a good choice on either front. Um, but if he had of just, as soon as he, you know, started using that name, if he had a filed a trademark application in Canada, he would have been a registered trademark owner. Same deal in the United States. And both the United States Patent and Trademarks Office and the Canadian Trademarks Office would have stopped this other company's application so that he wouldn't have to oppose. Like, Interesting. you have a mark on the register the trademarks office is using that as their body of searchable marks to say, well, no, you are not entitled to a registration if there's something confusing already on the register. So it's one of the great benefits of having a trademark registration is it really gets, you know, the trademarks office working for you and doing part of your enforcement work by stopping other people from registering something confusing. So it would make sense that we're all, you know, you're a Canadian company, you registered in Canada. How do you decide 
Should you go to the US? Should you go to Europe? Like, and is it, is there any kind of a global place that you can do it all at one place or is it country by country? Well, it is unfortunately country by country. There is an international trademark registration and Canada just recently joined this whole, you know, protocol couple years ago in the summer of 2019 they they joined it and so now Canadian companies do have this option to file a trademark application in Canada and then they can use that trademark application and apply in every other country that has subscribed to this um, to this protocol but the reality is is that you're still your application has to be uh, examined and registered under the laws of every country that you have designated in this international trademark registration so you know, there isn't, you know, one cheap trademark, global trademark that you can get. It is, it's just a, a, it's an administrative procedure that makes it a little bit more simple for companies to apply in multiple countries at once. And so, yeah, there really isn't a global trademark registration. Um, You do it country by country and you kind of have to, you know, when you're a startup, you, you have, priorities, financial priorities, you're not, you can't register in every country. And believe you me, I have had new entrepreneurs, you know, they have a great trademark. They're like, we need to protect this everywhere. And I give them the price tag of that. And they're like, okay, let's start with Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I do start with Canada and I want to use you, Cynthia. What do I have to be prepared to do from a price perspective? Ish. You can give us an ish. Yeah. In Canada. So if you have, so I mean, you're in the financial services industry, so your services are all going to fall into one particular class. So trademark fees, so you have to pay the government in order to get a trademark registration. And so they have structured their fees based on the number of classes that your products and services fall into. So there's 45 different classes um, and 10 of them are for services, the rest are for products. And so there is a government fee for every class. So where you have, you know, a very kind of a narrow business and you're only going to use your trademark in, in with one particular product or one class of services or class of products, your government fees will be $336 okay. for your trademark registration. Now we charge on top of that in order yes. to register your trademark, we charge $12.95 plus the government fees. And so that basically covers you throughout the three-year process, assuming there's no serious objections. So in terms of registering a trademark, the trademarks office is looking one, to see if there's anything confusing on the register. And if there is, you're either gonna be refused altogether or you try to make arguments as to why your mark isn't confusing and they can coexist. But the trademarks office is also looking at trademarks to see if they're descriptive or generic in a particular industry. And they're going to stop, you you know, you you don't really want to have one company monopolize a descriptive term in an industry. Mm. It's not fair. And it's, it's not possible. Like the trademarks office doesn't let marks like that go through. Yeah. You can certainly try to enforce them unread as unregistered trademarks. But again, if your mark is descriptive, it's very difficult to, to stop other people from using descriptive terms too. Like it just is. So, you know, if there are serious objections to your trademark, if your trademark isn't great, it will cost you more to get a registration. But for a single class, simple registration with with no serious objections like that, you're looking at less than, you know, $1,500. Do you have to, um, is there an ongoing cost to, um, you know, like I registered, I pay all that upfront. Do I have to make, is there any maintenance fees as I go through? There is, 
every 10 years. <laughs> so oh, 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So it's about, and you know, every 10 years you're basically paying slightly, slightly cheaper price for, to renew your trademark. So as long as you continue to use it and you have, you, you pay the, the, the fee every 10 years, you can keep your mark indefinitely. That's cool. Um, I have a question from the audience about, can you give an example of a descriptive trademark? Yeah. Um, let me think. I don't want to, I don't want to like point to any client's trademark. So I want to make sure I pick somebody else's. Um, <laughs> Slim Fast would be descriptive of a product that helps you lose weight because it's telling consumers that this product is going to help you slim, get slim fast or slim down faster. So something like that would be descriptive. So the now, name itself kind of denotes what it does. Is it yeah, what it is or what it does. So, you know, it's difficult right now because, you know, most people are not, not a lot of companies are inventing words, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Google, uh, some of them Google do, <laughs> but it's not as easy. You know, you look at a mark like Lululemon means absolutely nothing. Um, and so there was a lot of upfront money that went into building that name versus, you know, a name like Slim Fast. Well, you don't have to invest as much energy in telling people what your product is going to do for them. Like the name speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in the long run, you know, you'll have Slim Fast and then you'll have, you know, marks that are very similar, like, you know, toned down quick, like not that different. Like it's all saying the exact same thing. And so you know, the mark itself, you will also spend a ton of money in terms of enforcing your legal rights in it and trying to keep people out of your sphere of rights. Um, but it's, it also, you know, when you, when you adopt a mark like that, it's, it's just, it's not great. Like it's, it's never really going to pan out into this great unique brand. That's really, really strong. And you can stop other people from using things that are very similar. Interesting. Okay. So we talked about the price if you're doing it, but you saw a need in the market and you went off and became a tech entrepreneur and built a whole platform yeah. called Remarkably. Can you talk, what prompted that? How does, you know, give us the whole story on Remarkably. Yeah. So what prompted it? Well, you're right. So there are two options. Basically you can work with somebody like me and I will register your trademark for $12.95 plus government fees. Um, and I will take care of the process for you. I will, you know, I'll look at your marketing plans. I'll look at what you're doing right now. And I will describe your products and your services in a way that the trademarks office understands and will accept. So, you know, like I said, there's 45 different classes and there's a government fee. So you need to make sure that your, your products and services fall within are, are classified in those classes. And you pay the appropriate government fee because everything that you get wrong in your trademark application is going to cause delay. And it has the potential to cause um, a refusal altogether. Mm. And so, you know, if you're going to pay somebody to do it for you, you're going to get, you're, you're going to get there that we will do all of those things and make sure that your trademark application is right. And it gets filed and it will go through much faster. But then, you know, there's the people who, want to do it themselves. And as a brand owner, as a trademark owner, you are absolutely entitled to file and prosecute your own trademark applications. And all you need to do is create an account with the, with the trademarks office and you can file your own stuff. 
but you know, it takes time to figure out the classification system and it takes time to figure out whether, you know, you've described your products and services in terms that are specific enough to meet with, you know, trademark, trademark regulations. So, you know, you can't file broadly worded, like a broadly worded claim. So for example, in Canada, you can't get a trademark registration for clothing. The trademarks office wants you to identify the specific type of clothing because, you know, children's clothing is marketed in a different way, in a different channel, a lot of different channels than like, you know, outdoor clothing or, you know, adventure clothing, like things for mountain climbers, specific clothing that, you know, mountain climbers would buy. So, you know, the trademarks office wants to make sure there's not going to be any likelihood of confusion between trademarks, which is going to confuse the public. So they want to know exactly how you plan to use it so that they can search their records to say, okay, well, you know, somebody applying to register, you know, a particular name for kids clothing, it's not going to be confused with somebody who's selling, you know, specialty pants for mountain climbers. Um, they're never going to be sold in the same venues. And so there's no real likelihood of confusion here. They'll let, they, you know, they may let those marks coexist. So as a trademark owner, if you're applying to register your trademark, you have, you're, you're under this obligation to describe your products and services in a way that the trademarks office is going to accept as specific enough so that they can search the records to make sure that your mark isn't confusing. And this is where a lot of, you know, trademark owners who DIY it, this is where a lot of them encounter problems and it causes delays and they end up with trademark registrations that, you know, there is a real balance and a tightrope that you can walk where, you want your registration to be broad enough to cover what you're doing and what your competitors are doing, but the trademarks office wants you to be very, very narrow. And so, you know, I wanted to be able to give people the option to DIY their trademark registration, but have enough guidance to help them describe their products and services in a way that will comply with trademark rules and it will help them classify it because classification isn't easy. There are even times where I don't entirely know the class and I'm making a guess at it. And so, I built this online platform to help people describe their products and services in compliance with trademark rules and to automatically classify it so that they know the government fees at the time of filing. So these are not things that are going to delay their trademark application before it gets through to registration. Awesome. So basically they log in, they go through a process and it guides them through the, the things yeah. so they can ultimately file themselves with. So it's kind of like lawyer light. All your, yeah. your IP is in the software, but yeah. you don't yeah. need to pay the full on C. So it is, it is lawyer, lawyer, like really lawyer, -like, lawyer, like, yeah. um, it, it, it is the online platform of the questions that I ask clients when I'm working with them directly, you know, to get at what their trademark is and to get at who the applicant should be. And then, you know, to get them to kind of take the products and services that they're selling or they're planning to sell. And to describe them, I walk them through a process in terms of, you know, starting with a broad categorization of what they're doing and then narrowing it down where necessary. And so at the end, they submit it and pay their government fees and we file it for them. And then depending on, you know, there's two different, Markably op offers two different options. And then, you know, at that point, you can end the relationship with us and the trademarks office will correspond with you as the trademark owner. And you can manage the rest of the process yourself or you can pay for, you know, the, the, the DIY option and then add in lawyer support. And what will happen is when we file your trademark application, 
we also appoint ourselves as the agents for you and the trademarks office corresponds with us. And so we deal with any objections. And if there are arguments that need to be made, we make them, we make them for you. You don't have to have the stress of that. You don't need to be monitoring all of the deadlines that come up in your trademark application. We take care of all of that for you. So that's kind of like the, that's the DIY plus, you know, here's a lawyer to help you through the process. And so we kind of structured it so that there, there was the two options. That's you can awesome. DIY it and get help with describing your products and services and classifying them and then do the rest yourself. Or you can just get us to do the whole thing for you. feels like that would be a good product or a good service for, especially for startups or for entrepreneurs who may not have big budgets just to get yeah. things started. Right. Well, and I mean, that really is who it is intended for is the, you know, it, it, we get that not every entrepreneur has got $1,500 in their back pockets and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in a trademark registration now. I mean, first of all, a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand why a trademark registration is actually necessary. Um, and so it falls down to like lower on the priority list in terms of where they're going to spend their money. Um, and so we want to make it cheaper for entrepreneurs to get in the process much earlier because that registration is extremely valuable in terms of protecting their business as it grows. And we want them to be able to, we want the, the price tag to be a lot more compelling and palatable for them for, to, to get into the game early. Wow, that's great. Let's, I'd like to shift again back to your entrepreneur journey, if you will. And I'm wondering, what has been your biggest win in the last seven years as being self-employed, owning your own firm? How, what would be your biggest win? Well, I mean, still, you know, still being here after seven years. Um, but really, I think the biggest win probably came during the pandemic. Um, and it was hiring another lawyer to help me. Nice. Um, this had been something that I knew had been necessary for several years. And, you know, at that point, like, you know, when I, when I started, it was, it was a matter of survival. I just, you know, want to get the clients into the system and make sure that everything is running smoothly and I'm making enough money to survive. Yeah. Um, and then I had another kid and then the, 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 the mentality was, okay, I need to just survive until this child can enter daycare. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, and then I will think about how I'm going to grow my business. And so, you know, I have two small kids and I had this, you know, delusion in my head that when they were both in daycare, life would be easy peasy. And it just didn't work out like that. You know, kids get sick. They inevitably their daycare doesn't work out. And so, you know, you got kids in the background and you're trying to do, you're trying to manage a career and build it. And, you know, I think not, not many lawyers, not many people become lawyers with, with the belief or with the goal that they're never going to, you know, be something great and do something fantastic for the world. And so you have this drive to constantly want to be building something bigger or something better. And you want to, you want to leave a mark in a particular industry. And, you know, doing that on your own is even more challenging, but, and so, you know, you get, you reach a point in your business where you have so many, you have enough clients that you don't have time to, to get new work. You don't have time to organize your life. You're just struggling to keep your head above water in terms of getting everything done that needs to get done. So I knew I needed to hire another lawyer and I knew that it needed to happen several years ago. I didn't have the confidence to do it. And then finally, 
you know, the pandemic hit and school shut down and that was just great. Um, and so I, I said, you know what, now's the time I need to hire another lawyer because I cannot manage two kids, their education and all of the clients at the same time. And so I hired a lawyer and it was, it has been a game changer in terms of the work being done. The level of stress has been lifted. Our profitability is through the roof. It's just, it's so much, it's, it has been really the first step to actually building something bigger and being able to make a bigger difference. I, I love that. What I would love to know is knowing what a difference it's made now, how would you talk to the non-confident version of you that <laughs> postponed doing that decision like what would you tell yourself you know it's funny um yeah well I would say that like don't worry about the financial aspect of it it the numbers actually work out so long as you have a plan to you know bring in the work in order to be able to feed you know the work to to these other people that you're hiring like I, that was the part where I, I lacked the confidence, like work. I never really had to work to get work. Work lands in my lap. Um, and despite, you know, doing it for at that point, I was like 15 years of being a lawyer. I have amazing clients that, you know, have stayed with me for many, many years. And yet I still didn't have the confidence that I could bring in work. And, you know, it was that person who needed the lecture about just, you know, look at the evidence of you, of your success and understand that it will continue and the work will, and if, if you just put a little bit of effort into getting clients, imagine what could happen because you put no effort into it now and you're fine. So what actually would happen if you did the work and, right. you know, so it was that confidence in terms of, you know, yes, you can pay for it. And yes, you can actually bring in the work. And I would tell myself to just suck it up and do it because it's so much better on the other side. <laughs> that is awesome. I have so many more questions, but I want to open it up to the floor now um, because I know you have a hard stop uh, at um, 7.45 your time, 8.45. Halifax time. So does anyone have some questions that they would like to, to ask uh, Cynthia? Feel free to put up your hand. Uh, Melissa, do you have some questions? I know that you uh, had one in the chat. I think we answered that. Thank you. Yes, you did answer that. That's great, Cynthia. Uh, the reason I was asking that was, uh, well, I'm trying to understand with, I know books are difficult. It's just in terms of trademark. Uh, so um, I have a series of books that I do have the trademark on doodle by number. Mm -hmm. So these books though, th there's three of them so far, but there's, it's going to be a large range and mm -hmm. we're looking to put them through uh, the States and international and different languages as it grows. So I, I'm trying to figure out how, what's the best way to protect myself with things like this series where it's harder to, you've got copyright. Mm -hmm. You've got copyright in the book. Um, so that's the, the interesting thing about book titles is they're generally, I mean, where you're looking at a series, then the title itself becomes more of a trademark because it is indicative of a particular, you know, source of books. Generally speaking though, book titles aren't trademarks. They are, and they're also not really subject to copyright because it's not, you know, copyright requires, um, 
you know, a certain level of what's called authorship. So a level of originality um, that, you know, now this is the breakfast people, the breakfast crew are coming along. Um, <laughs> so, but when it comes to a, when you're starting to develop a series of books, then yeah, you're, you're, you have a trademark in the name of that series. Um, your best way to do it really is, I mean, get a trademark registration for it, covering books. And if you have other plans in terms of, you, um, you know, are thinking that maybe you're going to develop like an online class. I don't know where Till is. He's in bed. Uh, sorry. Dad, there's an X on the door. Mm. <laughs> Till, are you there? He just didn't get the 745 memo. That's oh, right. and he didn't understand the X on the door either. That was like, don't come in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the line of questioning. What was the X for? So yeah, sorry about that. So, you know, apply to register it as a trademark. And you know, you want to do that. If you're, if you're here in Canada, you start in Canada because you are a Canadian applicant. That's basically your home country. And then you can use that to apply in the next, you know, big market for you, which I'm assuming would be the United States. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get your registered trademarks here in Canada and the United States that the, I mean, the kind of the, the sneaky part about uh, trademark registration is that it's got this really, it, well, it's necessary now to enforce your trademark rights online. So if you see somebody, for example, selling a series of books with the same name on Amazon, and you are a registered trademark owner, you have easier, better rights in, in terms of having Amazon take the confusing product down. So Amazon's got a very sophisticated brand registry where trademark owners, that is people who own a trademark. So you own a trademark with a trademark registration, you can register basically your registration with Amazon and they will do some of the enforcement work for you. They're, they will pull down um, products that infringe your trademark rights. And so that would be kind of, I would recommend you start with Canada, start with the United, and then go to the United States because they're the two biggest markets. And then when you're ready to branch into other countries, then you know, you, you apply to register in, in those countries. Okay. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, we now have a question from Christina. I'll bring her in. Go ahead, Christina. You're on the air. <laughs> just one, two, just one, two. Thanks, Wendy. Um, Cynthia, this has been really interesting. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, I have a, quite a specific question. I run a business for possibly moms like you, uh, <laughs> where I try to empower um, parents to help mm -hmm. their kids with homework so their kids become more independent. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm an educator of 25 years and, and that's, uh, it's, it's a little bit tough to explain that to um, because there's nothing really like it. But um, I have two products that I offer. And my question is, they're very generic names, but I'm very attached to them and I don't know what to do with them. One of them is called Get Out of the Way, mm -hmm. which um, is for, for the parent. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called Agathis. And um, so I don't, I, I'm wondering what to do with those two names because they're, you see those titles everywhere for lots of different things, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say, you know, when you, are they generic? I mean, in the context of education, perhaps not. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of, that's tricky. I mean, how long have you been using them? About eight minutes. 
No, not very long. My, my business is very new. So, okay. so it's okay. not, um, yeah. And, and I've actually started to write a book that will be called Get Out of the Way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the hope is to build a brand around that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah what would you suggest? So, I mean, if you really attach to kind of that concept, I would say there's kind of two different options that you can do. You can create kind of like an umbrella brand that is something that is very unique, um, not generic and is distinctly you. It's something, so it can be kind of like your, like an umbrella brand. I mean, when you look at like Kellogg's, Kellogg's is an umbrella brand and they've got, <laughs> you know, hundreds of sub brands. And so I can see your programs being sub brands of an umbrella brand. So with the umbrella brand, like the name of my company is Bolster Family Educational Support. So Bolster, basically, would that be, would that yeah. not be the umbrella yeah, brand? That, yeah, that could be the, yeah, it would depend on how you're going to kind of market it. But yeah, I would say like Bolster could be, you know, your brand and then yes. you're offering, you know, a get out of the way program. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're offering an, I've got this program. And so, I mean, those program names, you can protect those as well, but at the end of the day, you want customers to, to be drawn to the bolster name. You want them to, to associate that name with a high quality product or service offering, um, that they've used in the past. And, you know, they are, they're building their reputation with the bolster brand and they use, and so, Yeah, I mean, that is one way to kind of when you have a name that is kind of generic and other people in the industry are using it, you have to look for other ways in order to be able to set your service apart. And so, you know, unless you're creating something that is subject to, you know, it could be patented and you can protect and get exclusivity that way, the way that you're going to do, do the way you're going to distinguish your service from everybody else's is with the brand and with the name itself. And so... I would recommend that you come up with something that is very distinctive and unique in the industry and that you can get all of the digital properties and you can kind of build your branding around that and then have your service offerings under that. Okay, great. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, Do you have time for one more question, Cynthia? One more. Yeah. One more. Anyone else? Anyone? I'm doing a little Ferris Bueller. (laughs) If nobody has a question, I I wouldn't mind asking another. So I'll just wait for. I'll go, Melissa. Go. Okay. So with this series, it's it's called Doodle by Number. It actually doesn't exist in the world, as in nobody's actually doodled by number. They've done paint by numbers, but never. Mm -hmm. So I I am actually coming up with something that's never been developed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there other ways to be able to protect that, or can anybody do a Doodle by Number now that it's in the marketplace? Um, Technically, they could. That's why you would really want to register the name so that they, you know, they can they can. They'll, they'll probably copy the concept, sure. but if you've got the trademarks, they're not copying that name. So doodle by number or doodle by numbers, is there a percentage when you work with trademarks that there, there's a, a little bit of, okay, if somebody calls theirs doodle by numbers with an S? It would still fall under the scope of rights. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I mean, a trademark registration is, I mean, I, I can't say how useful it is. Like it gives you exclusivity over that name like the identical name but you also have that that registration also enables you to stop people from using something that's confusingly similar and so doodle by number doodle by numbers they're confusingly similar when they're used in connection with the same product and so 
your registration for one would cover both. Okay, that's that's really helpful. Thank you, Cynthia. You're welcome. Awesome. Uh, okay, well, Cynthia, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on The Real Bottom Line. Uh, I guess the real bottom line is today is make the time and, and effort to protect all the intellectual property you've developed, whether that's around your name, your product names, all those things, uh, because starting now is the right time to start. Well, and really, even from day one, when you're a, a new business owner, your trademarks, they are the most valuable asset you have because that is what customers are using to find your products and your services. And that's how they're going to come back and find them again. And that's how they're going to recommend them to their friends. I mean, the name really, the name that you are using is really how your business is going to grow. And so you, it's something that you really want to ensure that you own. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.